Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 204. And this is probably going to be the last episode of 2023, but I will say more about that later. First, I shall tell you tell you what we're going to be talking about. I'd like to talk about crime novels, desires and expectations, and I have a Christmas story to share with you. Yes, a few different things today for the last episode of the year. So we're coming to the end of 2023, another year, and I'm wondering what your year was like. What were the highs? What were the lows? What did you achieve? And what do you still want to achieve? Maybe you can move some of your things over to 2024. I've been thinking along those lines too, reassessing the year and seeing where I want to go next. More of the same or do I want to make some changes? Do I want to achieve more? Are there things that I have uh, put on the back burner? Maybe it's time to have a look at those things and yeah, see if I still want to do them. So my 2023, at the end of every year in my journal, I usually jot down a few thoughts about the year. What defined the year? What were the main events of the year in my own life and in the life of the world in general? And yes, there is always sort of like a flavor to the year. And I guess the flavor to my 2023 was illness, which is rather unfortunate. Not illness for myself or even my immediate family, but I found myself being very concerned and having to support people in my extended family. Yes, one of my family members was very sick all year and ended up in hospital for a couple of months and could have died. My mother had major surgery in April of this year, and my dad was in hospital for nine days, or I think, what month was it, October? And he was often in hospital. He wasn't a well man, but this time he didn't come home, and he died in the later half of October 2023. And that uh, led to a lot of revisiting the past, maybe revisiting my childhood and a lot of self-exploration and exploring relationships. In many ways, when people die or when people are sick, it does affect us in more ways than one. Yes, uh, what do those people mean to us? How are we going to cope without them? Will we actually miss them? How well did we love? And that has been a theme of my posts in recently. And I did a podcast talking about this 
not so long ago. So yes, a lot of illness, a lot of support, a lot of times when my attention has been elsewhere and it has been difficult to blog and to podcast and to think about my own life. And it is only in the last few weeks that I have maybe started living my own life again. I have yeah, had times in the year when I have tried to push ahead and do what I feel called to do, but other events in my life, events that are a little bit remote from my immediate family have claimed my attention and I've had to put my own goals, my own uh, desires uh, aside for a time. And anyway, there hasn't been the headspace, I don't think. I haven't had the headspace to think about myself and what I would like to do or what I feel called to do. So, but I have had a good achievement this year. Yes, I achieved something that I was very um, happy about. And that was way back in February. I published my third unschooling book, The Unschool Challenge. And I, yeah, that was something that was on my to-do list. And I spoke to somebody in maybe the end of November, beginning of December, a neighbor uh, who was beginning homeschooling and as an experienced homeschooler, familiar with the rules and regulations of registration within our state of New South Wales, Australia, I've these neighbours asked me if I would yeah, talk about homeschooling and maybe I could give them a little bit of help as they were preparing their documents for homeschool registration. So I spent a very delightful evening with these neighbours and their two children and I didn't want to push the idea of unschooling upon them. I Just because we are unschoolers. I didn't want to go in there with my boots on saying, you have to be unschoolers. So I took a step back and I didn't say much about unschooling. I wanted to see where their thoughts were leading, where they were, what they wanted to do before I jumped in and said, I'm I'm an unschooler and I have all this information and I've written some books and I've got a podcast and a blog. Oh, you really should check it all out. No, I didn't want to do that. So I didn't say anything about unschooling. But the neighbours brought it up themselves. And then I thought, oh, wow, you don't know what you've just done. You have let uh, me free. I <laughs> I am going to talk about unschooling, but even so, I tried not to overwhelm them with too much information. Just because there's an unschooler living down the road for, from them doesn't mean they have to adopt all my ideas. But one thing I did say was that I had a new unschooling book in the almost completed stage, and I was hoping to publish that very soon. And so after Christmas, the thought of these neighbours and the beginning of their journey, that sort of spurred me on to finish the book. Now, I have no idea whether the neighbours bought my book or not. Uh, that doesn't matter one way or the other. But I'm just grateful that 
Uh, I was inspired to finish the Unschool Challenge because of my meeting with them that evening in probably late November 2022. So yes, there is a danger, I think, of coming over as the expert in a field and wanting to share things because you have or I, I'll talk about it in terms of me, I have made so many mistakes and I've gained all this experience over the years and I, yes, I, I know quite a bit about my passion, uh, unschooling. And I do want to share that with people because it could be useful, couldn't it? But at the same time, I want to be aware that not everybody will want to do things the way that my family did them. So there's a balance there, isn't there, of offering help, but at the same time, standing back and letting other people have some space. So that was February 2023, February of this year, I published the Unschool Challenge. And... Oh, I had great desires for the book, talking about desires and expectations a bit later on in this episode. Yes, I desired people to discover it and to read it and to say, hey, Sue, that book is so helpful. And then to feel compelled to write some wonderful five-star reviews for me for, for Amazon. Yes, I wanted people to think, wow. This book is like no other unschooling book that I've read and it will be of help and I want people to know about it. So I'm not going to wait for Sue to ask me. I'm going to go out there and write a a great five-star review of the book. And a few people did do that and I'm very grateful for those reviews. But on the whole, my expectations outweighed my desire. is that right? The right way around? My desires were greater than my expectations. I didn't have great expectations because I have learned not to... Um, yeah, things don't always turn out as you hope. And to have great expectations sometimes leads to great disappointment. I have great expectations of myself sometimes and I let myself down For example, with this book, it is not the problem of other people. It is that I'm not very good at promoting my own books. And either I do something about that or I accept it. I can hardly expect uh, great feedback when nobody knows about my book, when I don't promote it. And when really I don't ask enough people to help me at the end of every podcast Usually I say, go check out my books on Amazon. I would love it if you reviewed my books. Boy, you know, could you share them? But I don't know how many people actually do that. My expectations aren't very great, although my desires are enormous. So what have I spoken about? I've got a few notes, which makes me seem organized. Uh, April, that was the month that my mother was sick. It was also the month of my birthday. 
and I thought it would be the month of new adventures. I started writing over on a new blog or an old blog with a new name. I called the blog Holy Soli, and I thought, I am going to start a new adventure. I'm going to talk about spiritual things, not just spiritual writing and prayer, because that's not really my thing. I like to write about other things and then bring in the spiritual side. For example, I wanted to talk about movies and books and beautiful things like pottery that I have discovered in the world and even beautiful clothing. And yes, that was my desire Uh, April 2023. Well, that didn't last very long. I I said goodbye to my unschooling blog, announced I was going over to this new blog, and people were very supportive. People stopped by and said, thank you for all you've done for us regarding unschooling, and, and good luck with your next project. I will subscribe. I'll follow you over there. And then after a while, I crept back to the unschooling blog. Oh, I don't know why. Maybe it is my biggest passion. I said a while ago, maybe even a few years ago, when I was talking about adults and their need and the need to for adults to keep learning, to keep being involved with passions. And I said, not only is it a good example for our kids, a day will arrive when our kids will no longer need us. And what will we do? We'll turn around and think, I have nothing that interests me anymore, nothing to get involved with. But if we keep up our interests and our passions, maybe those will lead us into new areas. Uh, They will give us a focus for the next stage of our lives. But the only thing I forgot about was that my passion is really unschooling. Maybe somebody else who has a passion for weaving or knitting or writing about books uh, or, oh, I don't know, organization or whatever, they would go off and think, wow, I have more time now to devote to this passion. But I looked around and thought, I have more time to devote to my passion, but my passion is unschooling and I no longer have unschooling children. Well, unschooling in the, as we are looking at homeschooling registration, that sort of unschooling for children 18 and younger maybe because we all keep on unschooling we uh trans uh trans what's weird um we go from being unschooling children maybe to be uh, being unschooling adults because the learning never stops but yes I got to the stage where I didn't really want to share my children's unschooling stories anymore. I felt that they deserve their privacy. I have mentioned this a few times. Now that they're, they are adults, uh, it it's a bit awkward. There have been a few occasions where people in my children's uh, world like people that they work with, people that they have got to know as friends. They have Googled them 
and they have discovered their YouTube channels, for example, and it must be very awkward for them that their lives are out there on the internet, every stage of their life, lives almost, for their new friends, their new fellow employees, their bosses to go and discover, to be so all those posts, all those stories can be read. And it is an unfair advantage to everybody else. People can find out a lot about my children, but my children don't know a lot about the people, uh, like their fellow employees, their boss. They have to do things the normal way, get to know them in real time. So I didn't want to add any more stories to my blog about my children as adults. Oh, occasionally I get permission to... Uh, share something very small or a photo, an updated photo or something. But yes, on the whole, my unschooling stories um, have stopped. The source of them has dried up. And so what do I write about going forward? Well, I have been sharing old blog posts and that has been pretty good. And I have been sharing some of those in my podcasts, as you probably know. And that has been something that I've been enjoying. And that's one way of approaching um, unschooling from a different direction, I guess. Uh, So what else? Oh, I've just recently, I've written a couple of blog posts about books that I have been reading. Because I think sometimes the problem is that if I don't write about my children, then I have to write about myself. And I feel my life isn't nearly as interesting as my children's lives are. But maybe there are certain things in my life, like the books I'm reading, that I can tie into unschooling. And that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. And I'm going to share maybe one of those stories with you today to show you what I mean. And so in April, I became an ex-unschooling blogger. And that's not big news in a lot of ways because because I've become an uh, ex-unschooling blogger a few times over my blogging career. That might not have surprised some people, some people might have just said, oh, look, she'll be back. She always is. But at the time, I thought that I wouldn't be back because, as I say frequently, uh, to discover a new pathway, to embrace the delights of a new stage of our lives, we have to let go of the stage that we're at at the moment. And I was Oh, very sure that I wanted to let go of this stage. I thought I have to do it. Otherwise, I will never discover my next purpose in life. So I did I did let go. I discovered that I didn't like letting go and I came back. And I'm still not really sure of what I'm doing. But I also discovered something else, which may be helpful to some people is that when we don't know what we should be doing, we do what's right in front of us at the minute. We look around and say, well, what am I doing? What are my talents? What uh, could I be doing? 
I'll do that right now because that is something that I can do. And in time, the answer might become clearer. The answer to the question, what will I be doing next? What should I be doing next? Do what we can do today. Because what's the alternative? We sit around and we do nothing. And that is so depressing. And it it is also such a waste of time and our talents. So here I am. Um, talking to you about blogging again and also podcasting about it because in 2023 I've returned to podcasting which might not surprise anybody any long time listeners because I've done that a few times as well left podcasting and returned and I wonder if that's okay I mean, to be really successful, we are told you have to be consistent. You have to put the effort in every week to build up an audience. And while I was walking the dogs this morning, which is really very relevant where I was at the time, but I was thinking about is a great recognition, is being famous, is having lots of podcast listens, is having a a very, very successful blog that important to me. I get a reasonable amount of listens and uh, page views on my blog. I think if people go uh, googling, unschooling, my name will come up there somewhere. And yes, being famous doesn't really bother me anymore. Though at one time, yes, I wanted everybody to come to my blog. I wanted not just hundreds of followers. I wanted thousands of them. I wanted to be a blogging star, a podcasting star. I wanted to be be big on YouTube as well. But these days, I think, in some ways, it's better to connect with a smaller group of people and to have my tribe and not try to appeal to everybody possible in the unschooling world, but to, I suppose, what people say, uh, the term for it is to niche down, to talk to people who feel connected to me in some way, whether that's through unconditional love, whether that's through Christian unschooling, maybe even people with older children, maybe people who are at the same stage of life as I am, though I still want to help people who are just setting out because I feel very strongly about that as well. I look back to the early days of our homeschooling journey and how lost I felt, even though I felt that I knew everything. And I think that was a big fault of mine. I wanted to come over as super confident. I was going to be a very successful mother, perfect in many ways. And then I was going to be a perfect homeschooler as well. But I didn't realize how much I didn't, didn't know. And when I did realize that, there wasn't a lot of other people around to give me ideas and to help me out. And yes, I sort of lost my way for a while. So I am very passionate about helping people 
or maybe just even just sharing ideas that other people can ponder and then say yes or no, I don't agree with that. But just to have stories out there that could be the starting point for conversations for unschoolers at every stage of their unschooling journey. So, um, yes, where was I? Um, returned to podcasting. I published a new book. I started recently blogging about some books I've been reading, which reminds me that this year, like the previous two years, I gave myself a reading challenge. I decided to read uh, at least 52 books per year. I wanted it, it to even out as one book per week throughout the year. Yes, and I started this challenge in, was it 2021? Yeah, 2021, and then I did it in 2022, and this year I have achieved that challenge as well. I finished my 52nd book maybe at the end of November, which gives me this rest of this month to maybe read another book or two. My best year was last year. I thought that this year was going to be a good year, but maybe I'll get to maybe 54, 55 books at the most. But last year I got into the 60s, maybe 62, 63 books. And the biggest takeaway that I have had from this challenge is that in order to accomplish it, I had to get rid of a few distractions. At the beginning of 2021, I think, when I decided that I would do this challenge, I was incapable of reading a book from cover to cover without putting it down multiple times. My concentration was hopeless. I couldn't focus. And I'd read a, even only a paragraph or two, and then I'd think, I wonder if I got an email. I'll go check my emails, read another paragraph or two. Oh, I wonder if somebody liked a post of mine on social media. I went and did that. Oh, it was a continual struggle. And I began to feel that I was pathetic. I, I was missing out more than anything. I was missing out on all the wonderful books that I really want to read. And um, I guess reading Cal Newport's books also contributed to this feeling that I wanted to do something about the distractions in my life. And I really wanted to get serious about some deep work, reading books and writing more. So, yes, that's what I did. I took up this reading challenge and I have, for the past three years, I have met my reading goals. And I guess that leads to a few thoughts about challenges, that sometimes it's good to take on a challenge, isn't it? That we don't just want to drift through our lives as unschoolers. I uh, spoke about that in a recent podcast. I'm not sure what episode or what title it was. Something about drifting, unschooling and planning. And 
It's a good example for our kids, isn't it? And another quick thought about uh, challenges is that often our kids are very good at setting challenges for themselves. Uh, we don't need to do that for them, though we feel we ought to do it. And it can be counterproductive to make our children do challenges, to set expectations upon them, because while they're fulfilling our challenges, they have no time or desire to, to fulfill challenges of their own. They won't set themselves a challenges. And as my kids were growing up, they were always setting themselves challenges. They'd read dense books such as Charles Dickens. They set themselves the challenge of running 5K most mornings. They set themselves the challenge of entering uh, fun runs, uh, challenges of producing music videos, all kinds of uh, challenges. I never had to set challenges for them. In fact, they got me thinking about my own challenges. They were a good example for me. So, oh, NaNoWriMo is another good one. The challenge of writing a novel a month in in the month of November, writing a novel of at least fifty thousand words in the month of November every year. And some years, my daughter Imogen she wrote multiple novels during uh, the month of NaNoWriMo November. And yes, children aren't lazy. Children don't need prodding on. All they need is space to take up their own challenges. They are curious people. We shouldn't stamp all over them and get them to the stage where they feel that learning isn't interesting. Learning, we don't want them to feel that learning is a burden. It's a drudge. It's oh, something that other people expect us to do and... There's no room there for learning about all the things that are important to them and doing the challenges that are also important to them. So I guess that's a quick roundup of my year and I've sprinkled some unsculling thoughts in amongst, uh, yes, my, my year, which is probably just as well because I've got to the 30-minute mark without really getting on to the other unschooling uh, topics of the day, though I did mention expectations and desires a few times uh, during yeah, those minutes. So perhaps I'll go straight on to that one, expectations and desires. Um, I was listening to something the other day. It was probably a spiritual talk or podcast about something, and it was the presenter, who I can't remember who it was, but maybe it was Father Mike Schmitz, said that desires are good, expectations are not. Desires are planted within us by God, and but expectations are about control. We expect this, we expect that. It's very self-focused. We are living our lives uh, with an eye on ourselves and our wants. And yes, we expect things to turn out as we want them. Desires are good because they lead us to the things that maybe 
um, God wants us to do. Although desires sometimes the way they play out in our lives aren't always the way we imagine, but they're good. Expectations are not so good. And we just think of all those expectations that we heap upon our kids and we excuse ourselves for expecting things of our kids because we feel these things are good for them. We expect them to do well academically. We expect them to get Uh, maybe high status jobs because we want security for them. We want them to go far in the world. So we tell um, ourselves that our expectations are good, but putting expectations on our kids, uh, when we do that, we fail to see uh, that our kids have other desires than our own, other ideas, and that Our kids are not us, and if we allow our kids to follow their desires, they will really blossom into unique people. All we have to do is trust, help, support, encourage, and trust. And maybe the only expectation we should have is that our kids will be okay. We expect everything to be okay. Um, And maybe it's good to... Of verbalize or to give our kids that uh, idea that if we want our kids to to um, hear about one of our expectations, maybe that's the one to focus on. Uh, we hope, we trust, we expect everything will be okay, which is much better than expressing our doubts and our worries over the futures of our kids, isn't it? When we express our doubts and our kids hear us, it really does undermine their self-confidence. If we're not uh, confident in their abilities to uh, grow up and be, have, lead a happy and fulfilling and purposeful life, why should they believe in themselves? So maybe we should listen to the desires of our children and try and suppress our own. The only desire maybe that we will have is that our kids will be happy and that doesn't won't necessarily happen if they uh, follow our ideas. If we impose our own ideas upon our children, we have to listen and listen to their desires and what's important to them, listen to God. And yes, help our kids. That doesn't mean they're going to be perfectly happy. Oh, I've been thinking a lot about that recently. I might uh, write something about that, even though I did speak about it. Was it last podcast? About how we have to do what is right, regardless of the result. And then when things don't turn out perfectly, because they're not going to turn out perfectly, then at least we can... Uh, say we did what was right and we don't have to say oh what did I do wrong I should have done this I should have done that we can't go back we have to do what is right so I was also thinking about expectations and desires because Christmas is uh, approaching very rapidly and how many times in the past have my expectations got in the way of 
enjoying Christmas. I've had certain expectations about what what I expect people to buy me for Christmas, for example, how I expect the celebration to go, how I expect to feel over the Christmas season. And especially in the early years of my marriage to Andy, oh, I heaped expectations upon him. He had to buy me the perfect gift. He had to uh, organize the perfect birthday celebration. And always I was disappointed. And I came to dread the big uh, events in our lives, the big celebrations, because I knew I'd be disappointed. My desires wouldn't be fulfilled. There was no way my expectations were going to be fulfilled because I just expected my husband to know exactly what I would like for my birthday or for Christmas. I expected him to know how I wanted to celebrate my big day And I didn't tell him. I thought, well, if he loves me enough, he will know. He'll just pick it up. And, of course, he never knew. And that was an unrealistic expectation, wasn't it? Yes, there was no hope that my expectations were going to come to anything. I was being very unreasonable. So this year... I haven't heaped expectations on anyone. And I, yes, I've got my desires. And it's always good, isn't it, when people say to you, what would you like for Christmas? And it helps them. It gives them a starting point. So I put together a Christmas gift list. I gave it to my daughter, Imogen, and she has distributed it amongst the family members, our immediate family. And I guess my husband has looked at it, but there's only one problem. Since I gave her the list, I I told her to cross off all the expensive items. I thought, this is getting out of control. I don't really need an Apple Watch, and I don't really need a remarkable tablet, all those kinds of things. And so I don't know if I've got anything left on my list, list but I am resolved to appreciate every thing that I receive at Christmas, even if it's just a Merry Christmas, I'm thinking of you message from somebody because, yeah, gifts aren't that important anymore. Yes, they show a person's thoughtfulness and love, but thoughtfulness and love can be expressed in many different ways. So I better keep moving, otherwise this is going to be a long episode. Or maybe that doesn't really matter because... Um, maybe you can listen to it in two parts. Maybe stop here and listen to the second half another time because this is going to be the last podcast of mine for the year for 2023. It is summer here in Australia. School finishes, I think, at the end of next week. The following week, my husband, Andy, who is a school teacher, will be um, finishing up for his year. Uh, The teachers work a couple of extra days um, after the kids have uh, gone on holiday, just planning things and rounding up for the year. And he will be home for for six weeks, the long summer holidays. And yes, I think this is a good time to have a break. So I am 
quite satisfied with what I've done over the last, I don't know, two or three months coming back to podcasting and except for last week, uh, producing an episode every week. And I'm being realistic. I think that I will take a break and enjoy some family time and enjoy the summer, which I'm hoping we will be able to enjoy, that a bushfire doesn't suddenly arrive on the scene and spoil the summer for us. Um, Yes, but yes, I'll be back. I don't know, maybe late January. But before then, I've got a few stories to share with you. This first story can be found on my New Look blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Yes, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I I put a, a new theme on my blog and then I tweaked it so that it looks different. I'm hoping that it looks attractive and that uh, you will hop over to my blog, have a look, and maybe you will discover some posts from the archive because I'm featuring new posts. I have a random post section, so you never know what might turn up in that area of my blog. Yes, I before I got the new theme, before I decided that I wanted to put a, make my blog look different, I actually got my blog hacked. Uh, Nothing changed on my blog except it was inaccessible. Somebody infected it with some malware and I had to get somebody to clean up my blog. It wasn't a problem for readers because nobody could get inside the blog to actually read anything. It was just a problem that I couldn't get into the blog and post anything new. I ended up paying somebody to clean up my blog for me, and actually all, both of my blogs were infected with malware, and then the blog was back online, and I thought to myself, look, I've just paid all this money to uh, get my blogs back online, I'd better use them. So I guess that was incentive to keep on blogging. So this post, which you'll find on my blog, is called Is It Risky to Share Our Book Collections? What Will People Think? Do our bookshelves reveal things about ourselves? Are there times when we'd rather no one knows what we read to avoid possible criticism? Do we use books to project a particular image? Maybe our book collections sometimes deceive. Are some books better than others? Or can we learn something from from everything we read? Could sharing the books we're reading lead to some fascinating, unschooling conversations? And that was my introduction to this story. Years ago, a fellow homeschooling family invited us to a gathering at their home. After our kids had reluctantly completed an educational activity presented by an enthusiastic parent, our host offered us coffee. Then, mug in hand, I explored a bookshelf that had caught my attention. Reaching from the floor to the ceiling and spreading across an entire wall, it was crammed full of old religious books with fragile pages stitched between handcrafted covers. 
Standing before this magnificently impressive collection, I wondered if the family had read all these books. Had they read any of them? Or were the books just for display? Book collections are fascinating, aren't they? They say something about the people who put them together. Maybe sometimes they reveal more about us than we'd like people to know. But our books can also deceive. People might form false opinions about us based on the ones we read. Often, when making videos or taking blog post photos, I'm aware of the bookshelves in the background. What do our books reveal about me and my family? Will anyone judge us because of our choices? Will someone think, Sue reads a lot of rubbish? Or, how could they read such books? Or, I didn't realise Sue likes, believes. Will our books influence people's opinions, good and bad, about us? When my kids were younger, other people's opinions affected what I let my kids read. I didn't want anyone whispering behind our backs. Did you hear what Sue let her children read? How could she? I wanted my friends to think I was a good and responsible parent. Then one day, although I was still willing to listen to other people's ideas, it's good to share thoughts and learn from each other, I decided we'd make our own decisions about what is good or not for our kids. Here's something I wrote several years ago after I'd read Neil Gaiman's children's novel, Coraline. I finished Neil Gaiman's writing class on the Masterclass website the other day. The last lesson was about an author's responsibilities. Gaiman spoke about his children's novel, Coraline, which some parents might not want their kids to read. Coraline discovered the door a little while after they moved into the house. When Coraline steps through a door to find another house strangely similar to her own, only better, things seem marvellous. But there's another mother there, and another father, and they want her to stay and be their little girl. They want to change her and never let her go. Caroline will have to fight with all her wit and courage if she is to save herself and return to her ordinary life. Neil Gaiman's Coraline is a can't-miss classic that enthralls readers aged 8 to 12, but also adults who enjoy a perfect, smart, spooky read. That was a description from Amazon about the book. It's a horror story. Gaiman said kids need to read this genre of book. I guess the idea is that kids will meet horror at some stage of their lives. Encountering it in a story gives them a chance to process it safely. Although Coraline is a horror story, Gaiman said it's also a story about bravery. That's the number one message he wants kids to get from his book. When I was a younger parent, I tried to keep my kids away from some books. Mostly I did this because I was following the lead of the parents around me. 
You didn't let your child read that book, did you? No one wants to hear those words, do they? I wanted people to think I was a good parent. After a while, I let my kids read unsuitable books, but I said, don't tell anyone what you're reading. We kept what we did at home quiet to avoid possible criticism. I also didn't want other parents to regard my kids as inappropriate company for theirs. My eldest daughter once lent a book to her friend. The child returned it quickly. Her dad said she's not allowed to read it. Can you imagine how I felt when I heard those words? So, was I an irresponsible parent? Or did I recognise good in the books rejected by other parents? Were some of the books a safe way for my kids to learn about and experience the world? That story reminds me of how difficult parenting is and how insecure we feel at times. We often let people from outside our immediate families influence us, don't we? We listen to them instead of our kids and ourselves, constantly changing our minds about what we believe is right in response to what others say. Even when we have firm opinions contrary to the crowd, we could be reluctant to voice them. We want to appear like everyone else rather than risk losing our friends. We want to belong. I finished that blog post with a bit about my reading challenge and how I decided to challenge myself to read at least 52 books a year. And I won't share that because I have already spoken about that challenge earlier in this episode. But I did suggest that for future blog posts, maybe we could discuss some books. I could start with a book that I have read or are reading and then see where it leads. We may end up talking about unschooling just because I read a particular book. And the next blog post after the one that I have just shared with you is called Crime Novels and Priestly Detective Rules. And basically it's about a couple of books by Benjamin Stevenson, who is an Australian author. He writes crime mystery novels. And I shared some thoughts about those novels and where my thoughts led me, you know, the pathway of my thoughts. And did I touch on unschooling? I am sure I did. But I'm not going to read that story out today because I'm running out of time. But you can read that, Crime Novels and Priestly Detective Rules, if you hop over to my blog. Now, I do have one more story that I want to share with you, and that is a Christmas story. This story comes from my book, The Unschooled Challenge, so I suppose that's appropriate because it takes me right back to the beginning of 2023. I was telling you that I published this book in February, and now we are in December and we're looking forward to Christmas. And this Christmas story is in the Unschool Challenge. You won't find it anywhere else, I don't think. I did publish uh, an unedited version in the Unschooling community, Unschooling Together. But I don't know if it's still there, uh, but it's not on my blog. 
I wrote the story in response to some discussion that always happens at this time of the year about Santa. Should we tell our children that Santa brings gifts at Christmas or is that lying? If we don't say that Santa's bringing the gifts, will we squash our kids' imaginations? Is it good to pretend to have a bit of fantasy in our lives? Or, as I said, should our kids face the real world? Will one day they get, um, I don't know, disappointed maybe with us if they find out that we have been pretending. I like the word pretending better than lying because I don't think that any of us uh, sets out to lie to our kids. That is not a nice word. Saying all that, uh, I wasn't a Santa mother. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. I just wasn't very good at keeping up the pretense. But you're going to find out about that in this story. So I hope I've got a different take on uh, the Santa issue. And you'll find this story if you have my book, or if you want to go and buy a copy of my book, you'll find it in challenge number 64, Create Family Traditions. And it goes like this. Traditions are important, aren't they? They bind our families together, they bring a sense of comfort and belonging, and they might deepen our faith. They certainly create memories, and they result in joy. Some time ago, we visited my parents for a Christmas get-together, and while exchanging gifts, my mother told a story about her most memorable childhood Christmas. When she was four, her sister was two and her brother was six, the three children shared a double bed on Christmas Eve. In the middle of the night, they woke up to discover that Santa had left pillowcases full of presents. Amongst the gifts were a dump truck, a bag of sand and a box of toffees. The excited children played for a while and then fell asleep amongst the Christmas mess. When my grandmother woke in the morning, she discovered three happy and sticky children in a bed full of sand and toffees. The way my mother told the story, I could see that these were magical memories of her childhood. My mother told us another story. She and her siblings wrote to Santa every year before Christmas, scribbling down what they hoped he'd bring them. When the children had finished their letters, my grandmother took them into the living room to the massive fireplace that could easily accommodate a fat, jolly person. They placed the hopeful notes in the fireplace, and then my grandmother said everyone had to go into the hall so that Santa could come down the chimney to collect them. He wouldn't come if anyone could see him. So everyone stood behind the closed door for a few minutes until my grandmother announced that enough time had passed. Santa had visited their house. They all went back into the living room and the letters were gone. When my mother grew up, she asked my grandmother how she'd removed the letters. 
She said that every year my grandfather hid behind a large armchair in the corner of the living room. He watched as the children put their letters in the fireplace. As soon as they left the room, he grabbed the letters and then shot back to his hiding spot. He and my grandmother fooled their children for many years. Fooled their children? Was my grandparents' behaviour deceitful, dishonest, or were they weaving a magical fairy tale for the delight of their kids? I wondered about that. Years ago, I gave up on Santa, not for any deep and meaningful reason, but because I found that keeping up the Santa myth was a lot of work. I didn't have the same dedication as my mother or my grandparents. One day, I heard other parents say that Santa is commercial and we should focus on Christmas's spiritual side. Also, it's wrong to lie to our kids. Santa isn't real. Although, of course... St. Nicholas is. And I thought these parents had the right ideas. But since then, I've re-examined the Santa issue. I found these words in an article called Fairies, Faith and Fantasy by Father James Tierney. The growing realisation as we mature that Santa Claus is just your father is not an exposure of fraud, but a cause of even greater joy at the goodwill providence has shared with man through parents and family life. Our children find out that we are Santa. We love and care about them enough to bring them the presents they most desire, and we weave magic into their Christmas. My kids don't have any magical Santa memories, but I do, and so does my mother. Her eyes light up as she tells her childhood Christmas stories. They still bring her joy. And after hearing her tales, our hearts are filled with joy too at the thought of my grandparents weaving a magical fairy tale that has lasted through the years. Yes, a couple of times during this episode... I have been thinking about how other people's opinions affect our own. I was talking about books and now I'm talking about the Santa myth and how uh, we are not very confident in our own beliefs, our own opinions, how we are like the wind, you know, the wind comes in and sways us. We change instantly. We think we know what is right, what we believe and then we hear something else and we think, oh, perhaps perhaps we're wrong. Perhaps that person's right. And then we change our opinion again. And then we hear something else and again we change our opinion and we go from one thing to another. And then in the end we stop telling people what we believe because we're not sure anymore. What if we change our minds next week when we hear something different? Yes, it is so difficult being a parent, isn't it? And trying to do what we think is right for our kids, not having confidence in ourselves and listening to everybody around us and how it is a relief in the end when we decide that we're going to just do what we think is best for our kids. We're not going to listen anymore. 
Of course, we have to listen to a certain extent because we can't close ourselves off from conversations. We might discover something new, but basically we have our foundation of what we think is right. We hear an opinion and then we're safe because we can listen to the opinion and not get threatened by it. And we can judge it against our values or what we already believe. And we can say, yes, I agree with that. Or no, I'm not going to change what I believe and we can remain at peace. So was there anything else about that story? I was thinking about um, traditions because of course we have a lot of traditions at this time of year and I am actually recording this podcast episode on St Nicholas's Day the 6th of December 2023 and we have had traditions associated with this day ever since uh, my first child was young. We used to, well my children used to, put out their shoes for St. Nicholas to leave chocolates in on St. Nicholas's Eve. So on St. Nicholas's Eve, they'd get their shoes and they'd make a line of them in the living room, put them all together in the hope that St. Nicholas would fill the shoes with chocolates while they were asleep. And I don't think anybody really believed this was um, true, that St. Nicholas would really come and put chocolates in the shoes. It was a fantasy that we all knew wasn't true, but we all perpetuated it. We all joined in with the fun, especially for my youngest children. And maybe they did believe at a certain time because one year St. Nicholas forgot to put chocolates in the shoes. And when they got up on St. Nicholas's Day, I do remember Gemma Rose and Sophie looks of disappointment. They came running to me. St. Nicholas didn't visit last night. We have nothing in our shoes. And I do remember thinking, uh, saying something about, well, maybe you got up too early. Go back to bed and we'll see if he comes. And of course, St. Nicholas got her act together and put some chocolates in those shoes but we never intended for our children to really believe that he arrived. It was sort of like an inside joke, an inside whatever. Um, Yes, I can't find the right words today. So we did that for many, many years. And then one day, not so long ago, I decided that maybe it was time for a change of tradition. And in my challenge, whatever this challenge is called, number... 64 Create Family Traditions. In my book, The Unscored Challenge, I talk about how challenges, not challenges, traditions can change. The needs of our children change as they grow older. And maybe there is a a better way to celebrate traditions at Christmas or birthdays or other special days of the year. Yes, we wouldn't still want to give our girls fairy parties when they are adults would we they'd much prefer to go out for dinner so in the same way Christmas traditions can change and I think it was last year we adopted a new Saint Nicholas Day tradition 
I suggested that we have a golden dinner on St. Nicholas's Day, and everybody provides. I asked everybody to provide something that was gold to contribute towards our meal. And let me have a quick look here. I did write down what what um, what my children brought last year. So I'll just read the bit. In 2020, we thought we'd, we'd miss out on our Easter joy because our churches were closed and we had other restrictions too. But once we decided to be positive, we found ways to celebrate with joyful hearts. Some traditions are here to stay forever. We can't imagine life without them. Others are modified or discarded as our children grow. Traditions have to feel right, don't they? If they become a burden, it may be time to do something else. For many years, my kids placed their shoes in a line on the living room floor on St. Nicholas's Eve before going to bed, hoping the saint or mum would come in the night and fill them with gold chocolate coins. Then in 2022, when our youngest daughter was 18, we decided as a family to change our St. Nicholas tradition. I wanted to wait until Gemma Rose was an adult before suggesting we leave shoes and coins behind and do something different. So after discussing various options, we agreed to bring something golden to a St. Nicholas Day feast. Andy provided golden cheeses and biscuits, Gemma Rose bought sparkling bottles of golden apple cider and wine, and Duncan baked a golden peach pie, which went well with Charlotte's golden hokey pokey ice cream. Imogen chose everyone a small golden gift, and I handed out gold-wrapped chocolates. We enjoyed our food, and after we'd eaten, we watched a Christmas movie, which provided lots for us to discuss. And so I think everybody has been shopping, and we have some golden food for this evening's feast. The only other thing we have to decide is what Christmas movie are we going to watch? That's a bit of a problem because there aren't many good Christmas movies, or at least in our opinion. So that's what we're doing this evening. That is our, I suppose, introduction to the celebrations of the Christmas season. And That finishes this episode, episode 204. And as I said, I'll be back with a new episode in 2024, probably sometime during January. I just want to invite you to hop over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and have a look at my new look uh, blog, and maybe read some of the posts that have risen to the top of my archive and also those posts about reading and books. Uh, The one about is it risky to share our book collections and the other one about crime novels and priestly detective rules. So maybe you'll want to go and find out what those priestly detective rules are. Have a look at the books that I wrote about. Uh, anything else? My books, they are on Amazon, as you know. 
And my great desire is that you hop over to Amazon and take a look at Curious Unschoolers, Radical Unschool Love, and the Unschool Challenge. You might also want to have a look at my children's novels, especially if you are Christian unschoolers. Really, they are a reflection of my family's lives. I used events in our life together as the starting point for the stories in the books. They're not a faithful reproduction of our lives. Um, I added a good dose of imagination to things that really happened. And those books are called The Angels of Abbey Creek, The Angels of Gumtree Road, and The Angels of Wallaby Way. The Angels are the family. There are Christmas stories in those books, at least one Christmas story per book. I might have written about Advent as well. Yes, the stories, each book tells the story of a year in the life of the angel family. So we start on New Year's Day at the beginning of each book and we end at New Year's Eve by the time the last page arrives. And in between, the family celebrates things like Lent, Easter, birthdays, anniversaries, Um, what else? Saints' Days, Advent and Christmas. And then, of course, New Year's Eve. So, yes, maybe you would like to check out those books. The Dog Next Door is barking, so this is a good time for me to say goodbye to you all and to wish everybody a very happy Christmas. And until I see you again in 2024, live a radical life of unconditional love.